0: Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Thank you. It is great to be back. Um, this is sort of part two uh, of my little sermon series, and I say part two because i um, A couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about the sheep and the goats, and in Matthew 25, uh, we talked about uh, uh, what our call is to take care of the poor uh, and the less fortunate, Uh, we talked about how Jesus is present in the poor, in the oppressed, in the marginalized, and uh, during that discussion I invited everyone to a dialogue, which we had a couple weeks ago, so thank you all for, for being a part of that but we, uh, we had the dialogue to discuss the ways that, as a church and as a people of faith, we can provide for the less fortunate. We went through several scenarios, we talked about experiences, we talked about uh, ideas, and um, we had some great conversation. We talked about some opportunities uh, and discussed the benefits and the drawbacks of each of those. So while we had some great conversation, um, a lot of good sharing, I was reflecting on something afterwards, and um, that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, There was kind of one central theme that arose in our conversations, and really it comes down to how much politics and our outside world really come into play in our lives and how it is that we let that shape our identity. And not just politics. I thought about how media and social media and our friends and our, our uh, social circle and our career especially, um, a lot of times we end up being a divided people in many regards because of that. We let these things shape us into something beyond God's original intent. It gives us a new identity. And again, I say new because it's not really who we are. And uh, I want to say more on that in a minute. But we let ourselves get into these relationships, these societal influences. And it originates our ideals and, and ends up telling us really who we are. It defines us. And again, many times we find ourselves acting on that. And it's just not congruent to the message of Jesus Christ. So I want to look at the conversion story of Saul. Saul to St. Paul. Um, And that's in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So why this text? Well, let me start with a little bit of a story. Um, This might be a little revealing here for me, but that's okay, because I might be preaching to somebody out there. So for myself, um, as I finish up seminary, I can tell you one of the most common questions that people ask is, why ministry? Why, Why are you going into ministry? I mean, the field, the the career of ministry isn't exactly um, on the Forbes list of the fastest growing career choices. So why? And when I answer that, it's really about who I was or who I let myself be prior to this. I was doing what many people feel the right and necessary thing is to do, the way to go about life. I went through college. I got into a career. I worked through life. I had a family. But I was basing my existence, my worth, on what society deemed successful. And I let my career really guide who I was I had become. I got a promotion at work. I was the greatest, the greatest. Poor performer, laid off. I was the worst, horrible. Then I would act out, miserable. I became angry, and with family and the kids, that really started to spell trouble. But I didn't care. I let all of these outside influences really guide who I was and who I was becoming. There's a specific memory that keeps replaying over in my head. Um, in my career, four or five years ago, um, I was in the human resources field for 20 years, and my manager, who I worked for uh, for a number of years, uh, would would say to me, "When we counsel folks and we we have employees that we talk to, Jeff." We've got to tear them down to build them back up again. We've got to tear them down to build them back up again. And that's how I was treating people. I was that guy. I was that employee. I was that manager. And I was that husband. And I was that father. All in the name of a career, I hope I'm talking to somebody out there. this was I saw this as kind of an identity crisis. I let my identity be formed by people and these mechanisms, these negative mechanisms around me. So it took twenty years of of living this false life to understand that the person who I was becoming was not what God had intended. I allowed my de- identity to be Shaped without the gospel. And that proved dangerous to me and to those around me. So what changed? (laughs) I'm going to tell you. But first, let me talk about Saul. Saul was part of this group called the Pharisees, a social movement or a party or political party, they did not believe in this new Christianity, uh, followers of the way, as the way was the name of Christianity before it was Christianity, Um, but they believed Jesus was not the Messiah. So being a Pharisee, he had this zeal, he was zealous for persecuting Christian believers. He ravaged these people in these movements. He was persecuting, rounding them up, and committing them to prison. His belief was so strong, it wasn't just the fact that he went around throwing these people into prison. He wanted to eliminate the way, Christianity, completely, wipe it off the face of the earth. This anti-Christian movement, this ideology, was embedded in Paul. It became his identity. And he became more and more bold. He was very feared. And he had every reason to be bold. Being a Pharisee, we see in scripture, he describes himself as the stock of Israel. He had the pedigree of God's chosen people. In Philippians, uh, I, this is so interesting, he lists his flawless traits circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee could do no wrong. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul thought everything, he thought he had everything he needed to allow him to claim righteousness before God. Paul really thought he was the deal. He had the education, the training, the bloodline. Saul thought he was faultless. But he had let this culture and these influences dictate who he thought he needed to be. This ideology was his identity. But as we see, it was a false self. Because one day as he was headed to Damascus, and he had gotten orders from the high priest, permission to arrest these disciples, this bright light blinded him. And a voice spoke, why are you persecuting me? It is me whom you are persecuting. The light of God appeared so bright it blinded him. Even though those traveling around him were unaffected. We see this disciple named Ananias, ordered by God to to deliver this message to Saul. I want to go back to 17 to 18, 17 and 18, one more time, and I'm going to read it. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up and was baptized. Let me say that part again. Scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, and he was baptized. He got up, and he was baptized. He got up, and he was baptized. Saul's true identity is now revealed. As promised, let me go back to my story real quick. The biggest turning point for me four or five years ago when I entered in ministry was the fact, uh, was a meeting, a chance meeting that I had with a person who would become my early mentor. And he told me one thing early on, one thing that stands out, stood out to me, made a world of difference, and something I'll keep with me forever. In the midst of all of my troubles and all of my confusion and frustration, he said, Jeff, you are God's kid. Always remember, you are God's kid. That meant that in my baptism, I am a called child of God, claimed as one of God's own. That is my true identity. Nothing could change that. You see, church, through the waters of baptism, we are brought into this new creation, raised up with Christ into this family. Paul's story really is our story. That's one of the beautiful things about the Bible, about Scripture. These stories are our stories. Especially in this time. It's sometimes difficult to see that and understand that. Everything around us reinforces this false self. How often do we let that happen? As much as the outside world, the media, the news channels, social media, Facebook, news articles. Everything meant to make us something that we're not. But there is nothing that will override the power of this God who laid claim to us first in our baptism. So, great. What does this really mean to me, to us, today? Living in the midst of undoubtedly one of the craziest times of our lives in the midst of the stress that this pandemic has brought on, let us remember that in our baptism, we are grafted into one family of the body and the church of Christ. We belong to each other, all co-heirs to God with Christ, even when the challenges of life seek to divide us. Living out our baptism is not about our needs, but about the needs of our neighbors and our loved ones. It's about being that uplifting voice to the lonely and to the discouraged. When your neighbor asks, how you're dealing with all this craziness, perhaps maybe responding with, yeah, and how can I help you? What can I do for you? Or when your kids come to you in tears over the, Zoom, over the frustration of that Zoom meeting, in that learning. Or when your spouse or loved one comes to you from the stress of trying to balance the demands of work and family and finances in this time. Responding with love and expressing how it is we will all get through this together. Living out our baptism is putting aside our differences and taking care of the less fortunate. It's about seeking opportunities to serve the body of Christ. And when you realize that you have fallen short and every ounce of energy is drained from you and you think there is no relief and these things sound great, but I just can't get there. Remember that you are also God's kid, claimed in your baptism by a God who is always there with unconditional love and forgiveness. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.